cliffcentral.com. Is this thing on? You're listening to The Bounce Show. It's live. Well, not this bit, but it's live on clivecentral.com. Um, it's Cliff Central, Platt. <clears throat> Sorry, scrap that, delete it. Cliffcentral.com. Good morning and welcome to it, the Bounce Show here on the 6th of, sorry, 8th of June. 6th of June was about two days ago. Yeah, welcome to it. Sorry I wasn't in the studio last week, I had some drone stuff to do. Uh, if you follow me on Instagram or anywhere basically, you'll see that I'm really getting into this whole drone thing, it's amazing. Uh, mostly for golf stuff, but I'll be doing other things as well. And I'll also take requests. If you need, if you think I should be filming more stuff with my drone, um, and you've got some ideas, well, you know, I'm all ears. You know, I'm always here to create content for you. So that's something to look forward to. Uh, YouTube channel, The Bounce, get onto it, subscribe, or at least watch the videos. Uh, one of those two things. Again, like, I think the first rule of YouTube is you have to constantly punch yourself on YouTube. And it's like a new thing for me. So I'm still excited. So indulge me for a bit. If you hate the stuff, then obviously unsubscribe. And, uh, then we'll just never talk. So today, I'm not letting you down. I've got two great guests. I've got Zelim Nell. Now, he is the editor of All Out Rugby, which, well, let's be honest, I always kind of share my sources if I get good stories, if I just use it for, for a good reference point. All Out Rugby is that place, alloutrugby.com. There's, um, it's a proper, proper website. This you can see a lot of money's going into it. A lot of great personnel's got into it. Zelim is in charge there. And he is one of my favorite followers on Twitter as well. He's just one of those good guys that can balance humor with information. And he really does know his rugby. And the box are about to kick off the international season as of this week. But, uh, something that really kind of drew my attention towards getting Zelim on the show. I've been wanting to do it for quite a while now, then I, I just get sidetracked. Memory of a goldfish, all that kind of stuff. But he has a really great theory about what should happen with Super Rugby going forward. So on All Out Rugby last week, there was a video basically that they put out. Um, they put out some some great videos as well. Basically studio time of them just talking about things, previewing uh, fixtures, that kind of stuff. And Zelim had this theory about what should happen with Super Rugby. So people are talking about which teams should be culled, and he has a theory that kind of goes above and beyond all the noise and clutter that we have been hearing. So I'll share that with you. And then it's Champions Trophy. So I've got to talk to someone in cricket. And there's obviously no better person in the whole world than Dennis Friedman from Australia. He might be on a train. So we'll see how that goes. But I'll be later in the show. We're going to most talk about the weather. Because, again, like if you've been reading my tweets of late, how the hell England get to host cricket? Not just like the odd tournaments here and there. Back-to-back champions trophies. Okay, I get it because they've got like big stadiums. Uh, they've got good stadiums. They've got good cricket culture. They've got a good fan base and all that kind of stuff. But the weather is so absolutely shite. I mean, all these games, you think like, should I bet first? Should I bet second? How's that going to influence the Duckworth Lewis? It's just such a stupid system to have a, all these games that are so pivotal. Because the thing, you know, Champions Trophy, you play best of the best. You play three games in the pool stages. If you cock one of those games up, your chances of going through are very slim. But look at Australia. 
both the games we rained out. Okay, maybe it was a blessing in disguise against New Zealand because there might have been wallet that day. But against Bangladesh, easy points, great way to get the net run rate up. Nope, gone, rained out. So I'll chat to Dennis about that and all the other nuances of the tournaments. Uh, if we do get them for enough time, maybe we can even go into the sort of Aussie player strike and their pay dispute thing because you know those guys, they just, they, they can't be happy. So there's so much to talk about with him. And, uh, that will be the show today, I guess. So before we get into the big rugby chat and before we get into the big cricket chat, if you are listening live and you want to get involved, I always do make this option open and then mostly I just forget to read the messages. But today I shall be diligent. If you are listening live here on clipcentral.com, 079-748-2090, that is the South African WhatsApp line. If you go send me a message to that, it'll come straight into a screen. Otherwise, the Clip Central official account on WeChat or just tweet me at follow the bounce. If you're listening on podcast, which is, you know, always a smart thing to do in this day and age. Well, message me anyway. You can tweet me at any given stage at follow the bounce on Twitter or you can email me bigger issues at ben at the bounce. All right. Tidy intro. Let's get into some actual sport now. So, um, as you know, it's big French Open week right now. So it's the first, sorry, the second Grand Slam for the tennis people. And it's the only one played on the clay. And the clay is always very cool because, you know, the points are nice and long. Uh, but more grunting, which maybe isn't the best thing. But it's all hotting up because we're now into the semifinals stage. And, uh, well, there's so many great stories in men's tennis right now because you've got Andy Murray, who's the best player in ranking-wise, right? Now, you think you do well in the clay because it's also orange like him. But he's been up and down. He has a bit of a dog-shit clay court season so far, but he's in the semifinals. He beat Kei Nishikori, which is always a good thing to do. So he's very much in the mix there. He'll take on Stan Wawrinka, who beat Marin Cilic in the quarterfinals. So that is a top-class uh, semifinal matchup there. If you are listening to us later on, and these games already have taken place, I do apologize. But going into the weekend, this is something to really look out for because... The Grand Slams, when they're in Europe, which is really cool, so this and Wimbledon, it's all in the same time zone as South Africa as well, so it's very nice to watch this kind of stuff. Then in the other side, Dominic Team. well, he beat uh, Djokovic, straight set 7-6-6-3-6-0, and John McEnroe was scathing about Djokovic's performance here. Now, we know that Andre Agassi is now part of Team Djokovic, but uh, Bugroll Good seems to be doing, because 7 6 6 3 6 0, that is, well, supports McEnroe's claims that Djokovic just gave up. So it will not be the dream Djokovic-Nadal left arm uh, fi- semi-final, unfortunately. Nadal will go through. Uh, he beats Karina Buster, fellow Spaniard, 6-2-2-0. Then Karina Buster just thought, screw this, I'm out of here. So that is the semi-final draw of the men. It'll be Murray versus Vavrinka and Team versus Nadal. And the women's semis, well, you know, when Serena Williams isn't playing, call me what you want, but I don't get as interested in women's tennis because after that, it's just a whole bunch of women just mostly moaning. It's not the greatest sport for me. I don't find very, like, relatable sort of characters. There's no really great sporting stories. Maybe because just Venus has been, sorry, Serena's just been so amazing that everyone else does, even though they are great in themselves. Serena just dwarfs them all so much in story, entertainment value, all that kind of stuff. But to their credits, Ostapanenko, she's through to the semifinals. She'll take on Basinski. Uh, they play today, and uh, their birthdays are both today as well. What a joyous occasion that is. And then Halep, she'll take on Pliskova. Now, Halep is the third seed who went to the tournament with a dodgy ankle, but she's powering through. So between her and Pliskova, I would reckon that's going to be a winner. And they play in the semis. So big, big action there. 
Kevin Anderson, he bowed out early from a from a South African perspective. Uh, so he's not there in the mix. So if you like tennis, there you go. Other big stories. Well, Bafana Bafana, they are looking to increase their 17 match unbeaten streak. They'll take on Nigeria this Saturday. And the purpose of this is for AFCON 2019. It's always a big deal if Bafana Bafana can qualify for AFCON. So they need to win games like this. It's a really big deal. Stuart backed his first job as the new coach again. This is the second round, of course, because this whole Bafana Bafana coaching deal is very incestuous. You generally have the same kind of pool of people. And they circulate, much like uh, golf courses for the Open. I think that's how it works. Interesting story from local footballers. Eric Tinkler decided to resign from Cape Town, um, Cape Town City. And go to Supersport United. This is a very strange move for me. Maybe Eric's just tired of taking 30 second showers with the water shortages in Cape Town. Maybe he thinks Supersport United are on the up and up. Either way, I, Cape Town City looks like a really cool place to be right now. They've had a great first season as officially the club in the PSL. They've got some silverware. It's on the up and up. And I think he would have a lot of freedom. Whereas going to Supersport United, well, I think a little bigger, much bigger expectation. A little less freedom, but hey, this guy obviously knows the, the local, the live, the land, so to speak, of football, so he'll definitely make the best move he believes is, and he believes Superboy United is that. Baroque FC are currently with Black Leopards and Stellenbosch FC in that promotion relegation fist fight at the end of the season. This is, I mean, this is rough. This is like the bar brawl equivalent of football matches because one of them stays or goes through to the Premier League and Baroque are, of course, the current Premier League side. The other two are from the second league and Baroque currently on top of that, but it can go either way this weekend. There's some big crunch fixtures. So look out for that if you are into that domestic uh, squabbles. Uh, Golden States in the NBA Finals, they are just killing the Cavaliers right now. They've gone three up. So when the Cavs were 2-0 two, two down, you kind of thought about the NBA Finals last season. You thought, well, that's nothing because LeBron's obviously going to bring it back. But now that they're 3-0 down, that is a bit of a worry there. So the, the Golden State looking to kind of avenge last season's loss. Um, yesterday was actually a really, really big day because the Blues took on the Lions, the British and Irish Lions, okay? Um, I'll try to touch on too much of rugby and just the basic headlines. But as you know, the British and Irish Lions do a proper test tour, okay? Like a full-on old rugby series. This is what used to happen amongst countries, and it was really, really great. But, you know, tournaments and commercialism ruined all of that. But the British and Irish Lions, there's kind of like a like a nice throwback from the golden era of rugby, so to speak. So they play a whole bunch of um, fixtures against the local teams, and then they actually take on the, the All Blacks in test matches. So they didn't do too well in the opening match against the Barbarian Invitational side on Saturday. Uh, they were saying there was jet lag and all that kind of stuff. Fair enough. But yesterday, Wednesday, they were at uh, Eden Park in Auckland. They took on a, a blue side, which is, well, New Zealand's fifth best franchise in Super Rugby, which doesn't say much for local their, their local standing, but obviously internationally, they're still a strong side. And the Blues won 22-16, amazing result there. And it gets pretty much, well, it gets tougher from here because now the British and Irish Lions take on the Crusaders this weekend. Crusaders are unbeaten in Super Rugby right now. I'll be interested to see what sort of team they'll field and how strong they will be because their Super Rugby aspirations obviously are huge right now. But then when do you get a chance to play the British and Irish Lions? It's one of those potential once-in-a-lifetime opportunities. Uh, the junior box are back in action this week. They take on Argentina. That's today, Thursday. Uh, Cohen Bosch being reinstalled in the flower position. In other football news, Red Tube is making a, a move into um, football sponsorship. There is an amateur uh, f- uh, soccer, football, whatever you want to call it in America, and an amateur side there. 
that sort of a couple of guys got together over a couple of drinks and decided to pitch a sort of bold proposal move to RedTube. Now, RedTube, if you don't know, and don't try to act like you don't know, you know exactly what I'm talking about here. RedTube is the porn version of YouTube. So it's very simple. You go there, it's the exact same. It's just videos that people send in and upload but instead of all kinds of things like cats and their holidays, it's just porn. So RedTube will be emblazoned on the shirts of this team from Washington, and they're getting so much press for it. It's such an amazing marketing move. And good for these guys because maybe they wouldn't have had a sponsor before. So RedTube going in there. And you also got to be a bit sort of mature and, and adult-like about sponsorships nowadays. You take the money where you can get it. I don't think sports teams nowadays, with how competitive things are, uh, poor economies, all that kind of stuff. You can't be too choosy who sponsors you. But this is like a really proactive move. And hey, it's not going to make you do less or more porn if you've got any sort of self-control anyway. So before you say, before you want to get a prudish on me and say, well, we shouldn't be promoting porn. What if kids see it? The stuff exists. Kids will find it. Kids probably know more about this than we do. If you are listening and you, and you are a kid, maybe don't go into RedTube as much as anything else, but you know what I mean. You can, you can be your own boss with these kind of things. Uh, Ronaldo is still very much the richest uh, sports star in the whole world. Forbes released their top 100 list, which is, well, it's cool to look at. It's also hugely depressing. And you realize how rich these guys are. I think it's over 3 billion US dollars is what the top 100 uh, earned last year. This isn't their, their personal cumulative wealth. This is just their their earnings for one year. So if you look back at like who has been the richest over a, a big stretch of time, obviously Tiger Woods back when he could play golf, he was making so much money because he was the double threat. He made a whole bunch of money from just tournament play, but then he made an absolute crap ton as well just through the endorsements. Now, another guy who was there for quite a while was Floyd Mayweather. Now, Mayweather didn't have any endorsements whatsoever, but he made so much money from his fights because it was all him. So he promoted them. He did everything for them. So this time around, uh, Ronaldo is top of the list again. So this, obviously he was there last time. He made 93 million US dollars in the last sort of 12 month period. LeBron James was second on 86 and then it goes to Messi on 80. Roger Federer on 64 million. He's huge in endorsements as well. Kevin Durant, also basketball, plays for Golden State now, 60 million. Andrew Luck, American footballer, 50 million. Roy McElroy is the top golfer, 50 million US dollars. Then Steph Curry, 47 million. Uh, of course he's, uh, basketball. James Harden, also basketball player, 46 million. And then Lewis Hamilton rounds up the top 10 with 46 million US dollars. Just a crazy, crazy, crazy amount of money. But good for them because they dedicated their whole lives for excellence and being there. And, of course, Ronaldo, well, everything he touches is amazing right now. That Champions League win over the weekend is just another huge accolade. And just another sort of notch in the whole he's better than Messi kind of thing. I saw a really great tweet that the two accolades, the two things that Ronaldo hasn't achieved that, that Messi has achieved is Barcelona Player of the Year and Convicted Tax Fraudster. Those are two things that... uh <laughs> He hasn't got to his name. That's pretty much all from the the big headlines. Uh, if we've got time a little bit later, we'll, we'll touch on a few other things. And of course, if you don't miss anything else out, um, then there is the Gareth Cliff Show every single Monday to Friday here on cliffcentral.com where I do the sports at around 6.40 Monday to Friday if you are listening to that. But we need to get into our chat with Zellum and as promised, I'm going to intro it by just playing something that he did last week on alloutrugby.com, which I found very interesting. Uh, let's cue that up and then I'll get him on the line for us. 
Okay, sorry, just the intro. It's talking about the big Super Rugby cull. So what happens to the two teams? Is Are they going to be culled? What's the future for Super Rugby? And uh, we'll chat some after this. Uh, I think any time you start talking about cutting Super Rugby franchises, Bernie, uh, you know, you've got to get out your box of tissues and have a little whimper uh, because the fans from whichever teams you're cutting are... Uh, you know, uh, uh, sad to see their team go, even though none of them actually go to the stadium to watch these guys play. I think the, the solution is cut all of the franchises, get rid of this entire franchise system. Let's have SA Rugby responsible for launching four of their own franchises using broadcast money and sponsor money that they hold back uh, to staff these sides with a, ma- a management team that they handpick and with players that they offer super rugby contracts, provincial players that they offer two-year super rugby contracts. So let's have four franchises called the Hawks, the Rhinos, the Giants, and the Vipers. Uh, and, and let's have the, the, the sporting facilities in South Africa, whether it's rugby unions or whether it's other sporting facilities that can actually host these rugby sides, let's have them uh, bid for the right to host a super rugby team for two years based on a business model and logistics. And let's pick the best location for these teams and commit to two years to having the Vipers play in Joburg. And that team is stocked with players that are chosen by SA Rugby and a management team that's put together by SA Rugby. That way, SA Rugby can control where our best players play, where our best coaches play. It creates pathways for everybody. For me, it's a win-win-win situation, and that's a three-letter word that South Africans can really afford to hear again. Yeah, uh, I don't think you can fault that. Hey, Selim, you with us? I am, Ben. Wow, dude. Um, just a bit of constructive criticism. This is a fantastic video. I've seen this about three times. I think it's a great theory. But um, <laughs> I think you've got to do without the tank landing sex faces. I think that's a bit much for the for the average viewer. I mean, you're throwing down some great rugby insights here. But let's keep the whole crowd together. Now, Look, apparently our listeners actually love that the most. Ben. That's, yeah, that's the, the highlights. Oh, there we go. I'm being so bloody opinionated. I, I didn't even know the background story. So all that rugby, you are very much the man in charge there. I gotta say, it's something that I reference a lot from just a, away from the technical stuff where I can find all the stats and all the other things that I can use when I run out of things to actually write about. The, um, it's just great to have an all comprehensive sort of source that us rugby fans can reference because I think a lot of the time we get caught up in these horrible, stupid narratives about certain players being shit or certain teams mustn't be part of it. But videos like that, I think, is a really, really healthy thing to have in the rugby landscape. So congrats on getting this all together because I know this is a lot of hard work. Cheers. Thanks, Ben. Oh, no, long intros. Yeah. I don't plan them. They just sort of come out of nowhere. But just <laughs> just to, to get onto that, that video there, now you speak a lot of sense about the fact that we need to look at things more like professionally. If you look at all the other sports around the world, I like to reference American sports because I think they've always had the right idea. They're looking to make money. They're looking long-term, and they're looking to get away from the sentiment of like, I mean, some NBA teams or NFL teams, they've played in like four different sort of counties. You know, the, the LA Raiders, I think, have been playing all over the place. I think they they were in Vegas at some stage. So there's a lot of great like theories in there that you're throwing together. But ultimately, what do you reckon the reality is going to be with, with regards to the, like the culling of these teams? So that's a great question. And I, I usually start my replies by saying that, but it really is a great question because Nobody really knows for sure what's going on. You know, we don't really know if we're going to cut three super rugby teams next year. You know, that's not a fact. We've spoken about it, and it seems like there's some pushback, and it might not happen. So you've got to wait to find out whether that's going to happen. If it does happen, we're not really sure whether it's going to be the cheaters and the kings. It looks like it's going to be, but nobody's come out and said, this is what will happen. And then if they do get cut, uh, we don't really know what's going to happen to them. They've been linked to the Pro 12. 
the cheetahs and kings have. Uh, and then you've got to wonder about what that actually means for us. The whole point of the cull is to concentrate our playing resources, which are limited because our best players are overseas, into four teams. Yeah. So if, if we all agree with that and we cut from six to four, and then those two teams that we cut go and play Pro 12, uh, aren't we exactly where we started? Well, that's what I thought as well, which I found quite confusing about this. Again, like most rugby fans, you know, we're just going to be speculating about the fact that some people believe they've already signed those Pro 12 deals. Other people, right. other people believe that, um, you know, it's still up in the air as far as if these teams do get cut. And then if you're Australian, well, you're just crying about everything right now because <laughs> I, I think that they're not even less than us. But it's an interesting sort of thought, like, okay, so, it, is, it goes against the whole purpose in my eyes, just like you've just said now. But what if the cheaters and the kings were to now go play in Europe? First question would be, what do they offer Europe? This is my, my first thought was, I mean, are they essentially going to be bringing great audiences, great viewership numbers? I, I, I mean, help me out here. Is it, it, are there a, a proposition that the Europeans want to go, oh, cool, we really, really want those bottom performing South African teams? So think about it like this. The Pro 12 has been talking about expanding west to North America, which would be a complete waste of time because there is no foundation for rugby in America whatsoever, yeah. even though they've got a massive audience. It's like sure. saying we're going to take rugby to Russia. Yes, there's 75 trillion people there. None of them watch rugby. Yeah. So so if they have to consider bringing in a team from North America or bringing in a team from a rugby-crazy country like South Africa, I can understand how South Africa is a better prospect. Also right. – the Pro 12 is like the red-headed stepchild of European rugby in the sense that the Heineken Cup, or whatever they call it now, the European Rugby Championship, uh, is higher profile. The Aviva Premiership is higher profile. Pro 12 kind of plays third fiddle to those guys. So if they had to add a South African team, and this is assuming you don't count Saracens as, as a South African side, but if they had to add a South African <laughs> team to the Pro 12, they would kind of have a USP there where they could say, hey, we're the Pro 12. We've got two sides that are effectively super rugby teams. Yeah. How about that? Okay. That, that, that definitely makes a bit of sense. Now, as you say, they're kind of like a third fiddle, sort of like a Europa League kind of thing going on there. Mm. So if they were to say maybe bring in a few more high-profile teams and become like a Super 18, is that also something that could possibly happen? Uh, I think it is possible. I just don't know where those teams would come from. I mean, if they could lock in the Crusaders, the Highlanders, the Brumbies, you know, the Sharks, I think that's, you know, that's first prize. I don't think it's reality, but that's obviously first prize. I'm not sure the Pro 12 has got the pulling power to bring higher-profile teams into the setup. I think that's what the European Rugby Championship is all about. But this is a sneaky way of kind of achieving the same thing. Yeah. Okay, look, again, there's just so many other questions here, and maybe let's not be your – this is the be-all end-all of your expertise. But if for so long now, South Africa has been, I think, giving a lot to Sanzar, it's kind of been – it's like dating a model. You give and you give and you give, but ultimately she's just going to leave you at some stage. Yep. So Sanzar have been, have been getting so much from Saru, and SA have been giving them and giving them, and Aussies have been taking, and New Zealand have been showboating. So – are, I mean, would South Africa be in a position where they could say, well, we can actually make something really great because we've already made Sanzar pretty much what it is. Is that something that the, that the Pro 12 could maybe sort of seduce out of SA? Yeah, in my opinion, absolutely. I look at a bigger picture, Ben. I say World Rugby has a product called Rugby, and the yep. All Blacks are their number one brand. Yep. Okay, And the Springboks used to be their number two brand. Who knows where they are now because they're seventh in the world. <laughs> Um, but the point is for World Rugby, South Africa said, you know what, we're actually not going to play Sands or Rugby anymore. Uh, and World Rugby, for whatever reason, didn't open the door for them to go to Europe. World Rugby would lose a massive piece of their offering. So, you know, 
South Africa needs to grow some balls and just say, hey, we can beat everybody in the world if we really, really want to, and we stop messing about with all sorts of off-field issues. Um, and if you guys don't help us sort out some obvious geographic obstacles that are making us get punched in the nose every season by New Zealand mm. uh, and help us financially, then uh, good luck you know, keeping rugby afloat without arguably the second biggest uh, powerhouse in the game. Yeah, it's a very good point that like the whole thing about understanding what your products are, because once you lose the golden geese, because I think there's more than one, then your product yep. is, is lesser off. And I think the all black essay encounter, which has always been billed as the biggest thing in sport, like just imagine if you take away Barcelona and Real Madrid from La Liga and say it's like not that big a deal anymore. La Liga loses <laughs> hugely. So I think if, if Safka went his own way, and like I believe this is a really great thing, mostly because I just don't like late morning rugby. It screws with golf times. <laughs> you know, am I going to sleep? in a manager or not it, it ruins my, my life personally but if SA went straight to the heart of it Evan. yeah exactly I mean these are priorities <laughs> if SA went to the, the Europe route and we sort of became stronger in our own thing it'd be interesting to see how New Zealand would survive as far as going on because then they only have the Aussies they might have to really respect the South Sea Islands they might have the, the, the might of Japan to kind of then pull into the, the, the arguments. It would be very interesting to see how strong they could be because, again, with that, there's less money. And we all know that with less money, suddenly guys start wanting to live in Europe. We, we've, we're yeah. a prime example of that. But we, again, would that be like a fair sort of summation of what could happen? In my opinion, yes. And definitely, even if they kept the money, if you are uh, one of the 17 Barrett brothers who's about to play for the All Blacks and you've got to think about playing – Australia, Japan, Singapore, and Argentina every year for less money or go to Europe and play, you know, South Africa's best players and the best of Europe, uh, that would definitely be a big draw card. I think part of, part of the allure of staying in the Southern Hemisphere for New Zealanders is playing the old foe, is playing South Africa. Sure. Um, but now, and if, so, you know, if, if we were to, we then, to leverage that. If we were to then ditch the, the Kiwis, we'd end up still playing the best Kiwis in Europe. So I'm thinking exactly. that's a big win here. I mean, like, I haven't really given this much thought. I'm literally pulling this up my ass as we talk. But this <laughs> this sounds like a real way forward. Our guys will probably make a bit of money, a bit more money. The, the the viewers will get a better sort of coverage time, which is really, really great. And maybe we'll get a new identity because right now the identity of not being as good as the All Blacks, which I think is not being cemented in our heads, isn't working for anybody. Exactly. I mean, my mass is terrible, but I'm I'm pretty sure that, that the pound is worth more than the dollar. And if we start sharing some euros or some pounds or whatever whatever it's going to be, uh, financially, we're in a better position. I think we could get to a place, hypothetically, where the cheaters and kings are making so much money in Europe that they will actually have the best South African players playing for them, and the leftovers will be playing super rugby if we continue on this course. That is a really cool thought. Again, like some people will find that like, people who are really sentimental might be a bit uh, put off by that. But this this sounds like progress to me. Um, yeah, no. Look, I, I want to kind of touch a little bit on the box. I know I haven't got you for too long. Uh, I don't think there's any talk about any use talking about what this team will be that's being announced today because this podcast will then last for all of an hour. Um, <laughs> just looking at this whole test series with France, we know they're not going to have possibly their strongest players playing in this first test, but it's test two and three, which will probably be when France actually care about the series anyway. They're going to be yep. relatively good. From a box perspective, it's just, again, like so many different things going around about how shit 2016 was and what we're going to do. Realistically, what do you reckon the box should be looking to get out of this series? I know a win is just the short answer and just getting some sort of credibility back. But Alistair Garcia needs to do something with the squad now. He needs to kind of give us an impression that there's a framework, a leadership role, a unit, all that kind of stuff. For you, what are the key aspects to get out of the series? 
Okay, so when Heineke came in in 2012, South Africa's defense was amazing. Everybody complained, oh, look, you're winning, but like, come on, we're not scoring amazing tries. Yeah. So in 2013, he came out with the phrase or the word accelerate, and the box went all out to go and score more tries, which they did do. They scored more points, but they leaked a hell of a lot more too. Uh, what I'm trying to get to by starting with that Heineke analogy is just that Alistair and this Bok management team um, needs to settle on some sort of hook to identify themselves with. I don't care. I mean, I've got my own personal opinions about how they should play. But ultimately, if they want to play Lions ball, then they must play Lions ball. And if they want to play Bulls ball, they must play Bulls ball. But there's no man's land that we've been in where we can't defend, we can't attack, we can't scrum, we can't line up, we can't X, Y, Z. Uh, we don't know who who our starting tight head is. We don't know who the fly off is. We don't, you know, we've got so many question marks in so many places. I just think by the end of the season, win or lose, whoever's in charge needs to have answered those fundamental questions. How are we going to play, and who is going to do it for us in which positions? Yeah, and uh, well, those positions obviously there are some key ones that come straight off the bat. Uh, for me personally, I, I just want to know that the Springbok team is has a good loose trio that knows who they are and what they're doing. So that'd be my first thing. What, what's your big sort of um, point of concern? Yeah, look, we, we we don't have a scrum off in this country that can control a game with his boot, uh, and that is a massive, massive issue. When you play Test rugby, if you can't get field position, you can't, you're not in the game. Um, and if you're asking your 10 to make all the kicks and you've got a new 10 every week, mm. uh, that puts everybody under pressure. So tactically, we've got to find a guy. He doesn't have to be free to prayer, but he has to be able to control a game with his boots. And right now, the fact that Ross Cornier is the best that we've got in, in that position is is frightening. You know, I mean, he's a, he's a hell of a good player. I'm not sure whether he's uh, test caliber. Um, but for me, nine is a, is a, is a starting point. Yeah, it is a kind of a worry. And again, they're probably going to try using Hokard at some stage. Uh, and mm. he box kicks. <laughs> I mean, he ends up looking I like a box when he his kicks. Eyes when he kicks. Uh, I think so too. The tongue's out and the hair's just right. So he'll probably be carted off to the wing where he should not be used. He said it as much himself. So I'm, yeah. And then there's the Rudy Page argument. So yeah, I'm a little bit concerned about that. Uh, Andre Pollard, do you reckon he'll come back at any sort of stage this year? Or is that just one of Alice Goodseer's sort of pipe dreams that he might still be the future? Um, so, so remember in the old days we'd get a youngster come through and he'd really have to bide his time and he wouldn't get an opportunity. Everybody would complain about it. And eventually we'd slowly sort of blood him. Van Akriev started on the wing for the Stormers and ended up playing fullback for South Africa. He played some flower. Yeah. So nowadays, because everybody's overseas, these guys, uh, you know, have barely got out of nappies and we're starting them in test matches. And that's why you've got a guy like Andre Pollard who's so young and has been injured so often because he's playing this high attritional Super rugby composition, he's starting every game. He's got massive responsibility on his shoulders. So I, I just think it's tough to really know whether these guys can come back from multiple knee injuries and continue to perform at the level that we expect them to. Yeah, I think rugby increasingly is becoming about almost a conveyor belt of new fresh legs every year because everybody's so banged up. See, the thing with fresh legs is they've also kind of fresh heads, and that's not great for the pressure cooker of Test Rugby. You need some grisly old bastards in there who can maybe make the tough calls or at least be accountable for some things. Yeah, it's, it is a bit of a worry that you see these guys go down, and obviously Kerwin Bosch is about to be put through the ringer as well. I'm glad that he was given the chance to go still be a kid in the under-20s. I, I thought they were I thought they were going to throw him into the French test, uh, desperation. Yeah. So I, I yeah. suppose that that is a good thing. Um, and then ultimately, like, do you reckon the box, even how they are and what they are right now, will be too strong for the French? 
Uh, that's also a difficult one to call. I mean, that is a second-rate France side. It's the end of their season. Yeah. Uh, we're just getting started. We've had all these endeavors and workshops and whatever. We're in the middle of Super Rugby. We've got some form. It's a tough one to call. They're playing away from home. They don't have a good record at Loftus. Um, I think the box, their best chance of winning a test in this series is this first one. Sure. Uh, I think if this is messy, and judging from the really team that's out there, it could really get messy. Um, if this is messy, I think the series could really go downhill. The, the next one is going to be tough at sea level with that full strength French side. Yeah, exactly. It, it's not that they need any more pressure or any more expectation, but <laughs> it's pretty much the biggest must win of Escocia's career now in this next one. Yeah. Yeah. All right, um, so then we'll let you let you go there because, like I said, we, we there's no point in speculating the team. I think it's only worth right. talking like next week in at, at depth, which I look forward to seeing what you're going to write about. Uh, just online wise, anything to look out for over this series, and of course, going back into Super Rugby and the Rugby Championship. Uh, so we're looking at all sorts of stuff, including the Lions series. We had Gary Gold's column course, today yeah. talking about how Gatlin has dropped Warren Ball and sort of chasing an expensive game against the the All Blacks, which is Sounds backfiring silly. at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, and then obviously we'll ease back into Super Rugby after the series. Our focus is going to be this France South Africa series, and uh, and and like I say, how we answer those questions. You know, it'd be great. It'd be absolutely brilliant if Ross Cormier comes through as as a serious talent. uh, If Warren Whiteley stands up as a skipper, if Franco Mostert can nail down the number five jersey, and if all those things happen, then great. Uh, But there are big question marks hanging over that. Yeah, so many questions, but if you are going to find the answers, all at rugby.com. So thanks so much. It's been really great chatting to you. Thanks, Ben. Cool. All right. So that's rugby here. Huh? Tell you what, the, the more you talk about rugby, the more questions you get rather than more answers. I don't know if that's a great sign of where we are at SA Rugby right now, but that's not a problem. Uh, we're going to go to some cricket now. Yesterday, protest fans, uh, a part of me thinks I'm cleverer than this, but maybe I'm not because I've really got, I went into this tournament thinking, you know what? The Proteas, they've got some, they've got some great players here. They've got expectations, sure, like any good Proteas team would have, but I reckon they can weather this. AB's at a good stage in his career. Fuff, solid goal. There's hush. There, I mean, there's just, there's so much going on. And then yesterday they absolutely choked the crap out of it against the Pakistan who, Let's be frank, they're on a great side. That's what India showed us, and there's a lot of unknown people in this team, but like it always happens. We get to a pitch that's kind of spinning a bit. We get to a pitch where it's doing things that maybe aren't like they would be at the Wanderers, and, well, they can't ever use the change of pace when they're batting. They really battle with that, and then ultimately the rain screws the protest on top of that. So these are all interesting things that always conspire against us, but this is how... Yeah, this is how it always works as a Protea fan. But I can never bring my mind, I can never bring myself to actually conceding all of this. So if you look at the log right now, well, it's not too great. We've got England. Uh, sorry, just look at Group A quickly. England have been able to play games with no rain. So they've got four points. Australia played every game with rain. So there's two no, no results. They've got two points. Bangladesh, they're not great. They've got one point because they've played twice and they've lost once and no result. New Zealand, they've played twice, lost once, no result. So those, that's how it's looking. Um, basically this Sunday, uh, sorry, this Saturday, England versus Australia. England are already through. Australia will then look to try to pick up the last points at 11.30. Looking at Group B, India versus SA on Sunday, 11.30. Africa has to win that one. And, um, well, that's just how it has to happen. There's just no doubt about that. We've got Dennis on the line. And uh, to bring him into this, I shall play a little roundup of Australia's woes so far in Dennis's mother tongue. मैं शिव कांत गौतम आप सभी का स्वागत करता हूं आपने लॉगिन किया है वन इंडिया यूट्यूब हिंदी चैनल 
खिताब की प्रबल दावेदार ऑस्ट्रेलिया के लिए मुश्किलें बढ़ गई हैं बारिश के कारण न्यूजीलैंड के खिलाफ संभावित हार से बचे ऑस्ट्रेलिया को एक बार फिर बारिश से ही नुकसान उठाना पड़ा मजबूत स्थिति में पहुंचने के बाद बांग्लादेश के खिलाफ आईसीसी चैंपियंस ट्रॉफी का उसका दूसरा मैच बारिश की भेंट चढ़ गया बांग्लादेश ने पहले बल्लेबाजी करते हुए एक रन का लक्ष्य ऑस्ट्रेलिया के सामने रखा डेविड वॉर्नर चालीस स्टीव स्मिथ नाबाद बाइस की पारियों की मदद से सोलह ओवर में एक विकेट पर तिरासी रन ऑस्ट्रेलिया ने बना भी लिए थे लेकिन तब अचानक बारिश आ गई और मैच दोबारा शुरू Yeah, so um, it's pretty worth pointing out that you're on your way home now, and it looks like your your train's running late. Judging by what the guys say in the background, ah, oh, then we just lost Dennis. Blesser, how's it looking there? Is he still on the line? Okay, maybe he's just going through a tunnel. Uh, yeah, so, so Dennis, he's a hardworking man. He's he's a he's a family man. He's still got a big job, and he's like the biggest sports pu- cricket pundit on the internet. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he sleeps or when he sleeps, but um, he does it all. So yeah, so basically Australia haven't been able to finish a match yet because the weather's been so shite in England. Now this is something I wanted. I touched on before the tournament started is that. When you got a tournament that's going to come down to Duckworth Lewis, which, let's be honest, is not a great system. It's a system, but it's been around for so long. Surely someone could have come up with something better by now. And uh, I don't think anyone has even tried because, well, Duckworth Lewis is just so complicated that the, well, the ICC probably wouldn't want anything simpler. Dennis, we got you back? Yeah, sorry, mate. You'd think someone had invented a phone network that didn't drop out by now, but uh, has yet to happen. Yeah, who would have thought it? Uh, so what I was saying before before we really cut off there is, um, what was I saying? Proteins are crap. Uh, uh, anyway, so something something about Australia, rain. Yeah, so Australia and rain. Do you think this is a massive direct thing about England are just so greedy, or they just got such pulling power they can actually host back to back Champions Trophies despite the fact they don't actually have a summer? Oh, geez, geez, that's a good question. Um, uh, Someone's got to answer it because somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to answer it or not? Well, uh, look, you have to host it somewhere. They're, they're, they're trying to find a gap, I guess, in the IPL, IPL in the T20 league, uh, I guess, calendar now, and, and you guys are creating another one. So there's not going to be many gaps for this. And look, the reality is this might be the last champions trophy if the Test Championship gets up. Which is a lot of talk about in the next couple of years, and uh, this will pave way to make room for the finals of the Test Championship. So it's a shame that we're playing it in England in in June. I went and did my research, Ben, and uh, uh, England typically averages anywhere in England 19 rain days in June any on any particular year. So you know, well done the ICC for playing a uh, tournament that requires sun and, and dryness in a, in conditions like that. Yeah, it's it's like saying, well, look, you know, we've got a couple of boats in a lake. Let's have a surfing competition here. I mean, it's you, you, you've got you've got <laughs> elements, but you haven't got what's needed. Like it's as simple as that. No. You know, I I, I still no. I still believe, and that's because obviously I'm a Proteus fan. So whenever there's any rain, the Proteus lose. I still believe that why can't you just take the Champions Trophy to the UAE? Give it a chance. Who ne- uh, who needs spectators nowadays when everything's happening on Twitter? We don't care about the fans anymore. We just don't. We just need we just need somewhere where bat can hit ball and rain doesn't help. I mean, am, am I, I asking too obvious, much? 
Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're close. I think the obvious choice is Qatar. <laughs> Especially now, you're right. You're going to have all these brand new stadiums, air conditions. What else do you need? Yeah, I think the ICC are just getting too full of themselves here. They've lost, they've lost reality and to keep going back to England and then they always go England and Wales. But let's be honest. I mean, it's not really a big deal having Wales. Why not bring Ireland into the mix there? I'm sure even they've got less rain right now. <laughs> it's an interesting thing, you know. If, you, if you're trying to take it to the world, um, you, you probably should do that. Um, you know, we've had a World Cup in the, in the subcontinent back in 96, which was Sri Lanka, Pakistan and India all sharing the load. Yeah. Um, you know, that's not a bad idea, Ben. I think it's one, one, one of your better ones. Well, I do have a couple from time to time. Now, just going on to the actual Champions Trophy now, and, of course, England are top of the, their group. They've gone through because they've managed to actually hog the slight good weather that has been around. Um, Australia now has to win. They play England uh, Saturday, and then basically that should get them through. But um, as an Aussie, are you even into this tournament anymore? Is it something that really doesn't really like get on the, on the radar because it's just um, it's a watered-down ICC tournament? Yeah, there's, look, there's a bit of that in Australia. Australia, during the winter, it's probably no different to South Africa. It's all about the, the football and the rugby, right? Yeah. So, so it's, it's kind of just happening in the background. Um, it, it's not on free-to-air television. It's only on pay, pay TV. So it's really only there for cricket nerds at the moment. And to be honest, the uh, Cricket Australia players, potential players strikes getting more airtime than the Champions Trophy. So it's only guys like you and I, Ben, that uh, are addicted to ball sports that uh, are watching this thing. Speaking of the whole players' uh, payment thing, has there been any sort of sense that's come into it? I, I noticed that you tweeted something about Adam Gilchrist uh, talking about how there's a fair offer on the table. Has any more sense got into it, or was it just mob mentality basically asking for what's not there? Uh, uh, if you, I don't know how, how openly to speak, but stuff it, let's do it. Um, so <laughs> um, what you've got is you've got uh, a, a players' union supported by a very left-wing cricket media and just they're all believing their own bullshit at the moment and none of them amongst them have actually bothered to take a look at Cricket Australia's rationale for, for why they want to break apart the the, the, the fixed percentage payment scheme yep. um, and the thing about cricket, the Cricket Australia board it's independent right so it's not like the English board or the ICC where you've got partisan counting members on there looking to get an extra dollar for their own state we don't have any of that these are all successful business people and when they're turning around and saying the economics of the game can't be sustained with the current model, it's probably worth listening to them. Exactly. Um, but David Warner knows better, right? So David Warner's out there blasting away going, we're going to go on strike. And Ed Cowan's probably the most articulate of all the players or current or ex-players. And he's making a case, but he doesn't quite get it. Um, he sent me a few messages in the background telling me he was going to explain it to me, but never followed through. Um, so <laughs> Adam Gillies... Gilly's been sending me a couple as well, but I won't repeat what he's been telling me. But uh, <laughs> you, you've, you've, you've got an uneducated bunch of players who have never had a real job in the sense of what we, you and I would call a real job. None of them have sure. run businesses. None of them have had to scrape. None of them have had to be have to, had to concern themselves with 1.3 million casual cricketers in the country. Um, and they're getting misled. And they're getting bad information. And it's turned into sheep theory. Sounds just like politics. Politicians who've never had jobs now talking about budgets and who needs to get what. They have no understanding of what to do. Well, that's the next step. The Australian Cricket Association is going to hire your sports minister to uh, drive this home. Well, you do realise he's now Minister of Police, right? 
<laughs> oh, it's not natural. It's a natural, natural extension of what he was doing, right? <laughs> he got a promotion, so now he's 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 taking to Twitter and basically saying, "Bad guys, watch out! We're coming for you." He thinks he's Martin Lawrence from Bad Boys now. Oh, gotta love South Africa. Dennis, it sounds like, it sounds like your, your train's got there. I just want to, uh, just before you go, catch yeah. up on the Carball Contra podcast. Um, I know you had the, the, the radio show into podcast. Is that now a thing yep. of the past? Uh, look, so the radio show, the hiatus, went into receivership, which happens a lot when we get involved. Um, so <laughs> we're on a small hiatus until we find a, uh, a new home, but uh, we're not far away. I think I spoke to Kat last night and... Uh, our next show will be a Champions Trophy uh, review in a couple of weeks, and uh, we'll be hopefully back on a new radio station in the next four or five weeks. Fantastic. Well, that's good news because obviously we can't keep you down. You are everywhere. And i got to say, those um, you've got bail clips that you are making right now are absolute gold. And I'm, I'm not just saying this because I, I'm not just saying this because I know you. It's just that again, you found a way of making your brand of crickets. You packaged it so well; it's just so impactful and it's entertaining and it's funny as all hell. Well done on that. Uh, many, many thanks, mate. I'm looking forward to. I've uh, been watching your uh, while we're on this circle jerk, watching your uh, trip to sub 12 second running. I can't wait for that. I'm finally going to get back in good shape. I, I, I realize I'm such a child and I've got no discipline. I have to have a fitness <laughs> challenge, otherwise I'm just going to be so average. So I've. I've oh, so I just. I'll, I'll just let you know that back in 1994, I ran 11.9, so uh, that's your target. Okay, that's it, 11.9, 1994. So what, you were how old back then? I would have been 19. 19 and 94. Jeez, I have no idea you are that old. <laughs> oh, I love you, like. Works a treat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dennis, we'll enjoy the rest of the commute home. Thanks for joining us today. And um, I hope the Aussies can finish a match, just because I wouldn't mind seeing Zampa's hair for 10 overs. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ben. See you, mate. All right, ciao. Yeah, so that's the Champions Trophy right now. They're, um, yeah, huge games for the weekend. Now, England, as I said, are through already, but they'll take on Australia, which is always a big deal. And it's Ashes year this year where England will go down to Australia. So Saturday, 11.30, Australia has to win this because currently they've got two points and they need a bit more than that to go through. Uh, England are already through, so that's fine for them. But because Bangladesh and New Zealand are both on one point, England are safe. So, yeah, look, the, the group's open, but you think if Australia can just get a win there, they'll pretty much secure it, and that will go through. So those are two teams, two best teams from there. Group B, though, well, that really is just so wide open. Um, Pakistan, they've got a win. They look like they can do something, especially on a worn pitch. Sri Lanka, uh, yeah, I, I can't see them doing much. They're not a great side. Um, they've got some more injuries. So it's between Pakistan, South Africa, India. Uh, India still have to play Sri Lanka and they've got to play South Africa but we'll see how it goes again weather weather permitting it's a horrible thing to say to a sporting event weather permitting but that is unfortunately how it goes that's pretty much it for the show this week um, just this weekend of course SA versus France in the rugby it is the start of the SA versus France uh, series as Zedem was saying this first test well if, if the Three Marks can't win this one then there's some real real big issues but I'm talking real real big issues because it's not going to be the strongest possible French team the French are quite slow to be stimulated by things normally so they'll need a week in the country to kind of uh, you know orientate themselves so this is going to be the one and then the Wallabies they'll take on Fiji they named a team today which well just I know it's drawing to Australian rugby right now they've been so terrible in super rugby but they can still get into good a few Oh, sorry, they still can get a few good players to get together and make a, a quality Wallaby side from time to time. This might not be one of those times, but it'll always be competitive. They'll take on Fiji. And there's some other international rugby over the weekend, but 
I mean, you're looking at weakened teams because the British and Irish Lions are in New Zealand. And they'll be taking on the Crusaders. New Zealand also then announced their squad this week to take on the British and Irish Lions. There's quite a few Barretts in there, as you would expect. It looks a very strong side. They are kind of sweating on a couple of injuries, but you got to think all those guys are going to pull through because that's how these guys do, because they're so well managed that even when they do get injured, they can always bounce back within time. So Kieran Reid, obviously the big one there, the big concern, he did break a bone in his hand. He broke a finger or something along those lines. So he broke his thumb. So they just need to worry about those players. Uh, Kieran Reid, hooker Dan Coles, and center Ryan Crotty. Those are the three big injury concerns in their squad. But it's a bloody good squad, and uh, they'll have a little warm-up match. June 16th, they'll take on Samoa in Auckland. And then June 24th, now these are dates to die, Rice, because Lions tests, they're always good. They're always huge. They're great spectacles. So these games take place 9.35 in the morning. Die, Rice, this now. June 24th, first Lions test, there'll be... New Zealand versus British Irish Lions in Auckland, June 24th. July 1st will be the second one, and then July 8th will be the third one. Those are your big sort of games. And then, um, yeah, but the next three Saturdays, SA versus France. That is kind of it. Go Proteas. Give us something to cheer about. I'm so tired of feeling like this. Blah, 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 blah. Um, there's nothing more I can really say here. I mean, uh, you got to the point where if this was a relationship, somebody would have would have walked out by now. It would have been us, though. We would have broken up with the Proteus if it was a relationship by now. But we we carry on. For our sins and all that kind of stuff, we do carry on. Big thanks to our guest today, Zedemnoff from alloutrugby.com. You must follow um, Zedem on Twitter. And, of course, go onto the site. It's really, really great. I will put all this together on the blog post the bounce.co.za you'll be able to see the videos all the different clips and of course the details for my great guests and you can then follow them otherwise um, go on to YouTube and follow me on there the bounce I've just started a thing I'm trying to do a Dennis mentioned it uh, just a little bit at the end there my next fitness challenge is to run a sub 12 second 100 meters now I'm 35 years old I am probably not what I could have been physically in life right at the stage and uh, sub 12 is like a big deal it's a big milestone I'm doing it between now and November. Basically, I'm teaming up with the guys from Puma who, I mean, these guys, if there's anything about speed, it's them, right? So they're sponsored Usain Bolt from day one. They are sprinting. They are the people behind this. So they do these things called these Puma Speed Series. I may have butchered the name there, but anyway, they'll be doing an event in November. It'll be a track-based event. That'll be my moment. I will get a timed 100 meters on the track. So between now and then, I'm going to be having all kinds of different updates. I'll be filming my progress. I'll be filming different sort of exercises that maybe you can incorporate into your exercise routines. All things to shake it up and keep us in good shape through the winter. So by summer, we look like something rather than look be having to look at something else. So the YouTube, just the bounce. Follow it there. And again, I'd love to get your comments because I literally have just learned how to edit things. So the stuff's going to be a bit ropey in the beginning, but hopefully it'll be user, entertaining and user-friendly from there. French Open, otherwise, this weekend, the final will be taking place Sunday for the men, Saturday for the women. Golf-wise, there's a St. Jude Classic in America. Of course, next week, it's the U.S. Open. If you do want to get some U.S. Open chat, go to last week's podcast with Shane Bacon, who is my amazing guest from America. But the U.S. Open next week, that's such going to be, wow, I'm so, so excited about that. There is a really cool competition, which I'll bring you the details for again on the Bounce of Studios today, where you can win a really great prize for the U.S. Open. And uh, that's pretty much it. Otherwise, I shall be just jibber-jabbering from there. Thank you for joining me today on here on The Bounce Show. Catch everything else. Cliffcentral.com. The Bounce Show has a page there for previous shows. Otherwise, go on to thebounce.co.za and follow me on Twitter at Follow the Bounce. Right, that's it. I am officially all talked out. 
Thanks for joining me. Catch you next week. Cliffcentral.com.